Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Sound of Collaboration. I'm your host, Elijah Wheeler, here with super producer Pete, his sidekick, Tony. Welcome again to another edition of The Sound of Collaboration. This is another quarantine edition. We have a wonderful guest today, council member Evan Glass, at-large councilman here in Montgomery County. We are sitting safely, socially distanced, apart from one another, a good six feet or so out here at the beautiful Brookside Gardens. We want to give a shout out to Brookside Gardens and Montgomery Parks and the team here for allowing for us to use this outdoor space, a beautiful outdoor space, as we have this conversation today. Councilman, good morning, how are you? I'm well, Elijah, how are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having uh, us here with you at Brookside Gardens. Technically, this does belong to Montgomery County. So It, it is uh, a crown jewel in our parks department, absolutely. It's beautiful, I, I think that one of the things that a lot of us have experienced over the course of the past few months since the pandemic has hit is this kind of arrested inability of feeling comfortable enough to go outdoors. So as some of the restrictions start to relax and people feel a little bit more comfortable coming outside, mask on or off, the ability to be able to come out and a beautiful blue heron is, is flying past us right now. Uh, this is certainly a place that we would encourage people to come to, uh, to visit, not in large groups, once again, small groups, safely distanced from one another, but certainly this is a beautiful place to be at and we're very happy to have you here with us this morning. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be here. You know, the Blue Heron flew by, uh, couldn't have timed it any better and, and I've been doing a lot of work with the Parks Department and, and uh, the Department of Transportation to be able to open up some roads, make sure that people can get outside not only for their own uh, physical health, but mental health as well. Uh, it's critically important as long as we socially distance as best we can. So. Definitely. So thanks for uh, being here with us this morning. Let's get right into it. So you're roughly a year and a half into your first term as an at-large council person here in Montgomery County. What has surprised you the most during the course of this period of time? What has surprised me? Um, what I appreciate um, about the last 18 months is that we live in a beautifully diverse community. And I, I mean that not only in the sense that four of the 10 most diverse communities in the entire country are located here in Montgomery County. Uh, Germantown, Gaithersburg, Rockville, and Silver Spring, but also with the 1.1 million people, we have diversity of thought. And while we uh, like to think of ourselves as, a, as a, a good progressive community with inclusive values, there is diversity there too. Uh, and so as I travel throughout the, the area, um, hearing different people's thoughts, um, most people want to move in the same direction, maybe going at different speeds. Uh, but, but I appreciate hearing um, people's stories uh, and knowing not everybody is from one part of the county. Uh, you know, I might do my supermarket shopping in, in one, one particular community, uh, but when I'm out and about, um, seeing and hearing other people's stories um, reassures me uh, and, and helps really balance out my thinking. So it, it, it's been good. Plus lots of mileage on my car. So when not taking public transportation. Right, exactly. So Councilman, you sit on two committees uh, on the council currently. Under the HHS committee, you lead homelessness and vulnerable committees. What is your biggest concern for people who fall into these categories as a result of the pandemic currently and its impact upon them? My, my guiding light throughout this entire COVID-19 pandemic is to make sure that everybody is uh, able to safely stay in their home uh, and protect themselves and their family as best that they can. And uh, if this created a, you know, an, an adverse economic effect, like we know it is, um, then we uh, put so many people at risk of becoming homeless. 
Uh, and, and that is not something any of us want. And so I've been working with my colleagues to make sure that uh, people are protected in their homes. Uh, and I led the council's effort to appropriate approximately $2 million to make sure that those who need rental assistance uh, because they've been laid off, because of other um, economic hits that, that might have occurred, uh, that they can receive money from the county so that they can stay safely in their home. Um, you know, this problem isn't going away even as the county has started to lift the, ease the restrictions uh, on, on social gathering and going to restaurants and, and stores. Um, the economic effects are going to be with us for quite some time. And so uh, I'm going to be mindful and, and continue leading efforts at the county level to make sure that people can safely stay in their homes. Uh, Montgomery County has an incredible track record of providing care and resources for individuals who are experiencing homelessness. Uh, and we need to remain strong, especially during this, this, this pandemic. So you've been an outspoken champion for the county's youth population. Uh, what kind of calls has your office been fielding around youth who have experienced homelessness and their needs right now? Do you think that, uh, or what I should ask you, do you think is going to happen uh, as a matter of availability of affordable housing as a result of the economic downturn that we're facing? Yeah, the, the, the youth are anxious for a, a host of reasons. Some of them had to deal with school issues and connectivity at home. Uh, and as we shifted from in-classroom to in-home learning, there were a number of students who didn't even have the capacity at home to be able to, to learn and log on. And so working with MCPS to make sure that there was connectivity and even more importantly, hardware, so that kids could have computers at home and, and continue learning. Uh, and many of, of those same kids uh, have parents who are frontline personnel. Um, and, and that doesn't mean that they are uh, necessarily in the hospitals or on the front lines, but they're grocery store employees. They're working for some of our transit agencies um, and are constantly in and out of the home. And so there's a whole other level of comfort that needs to be given to, to so many youth in, in our community and food insecurity on top of that. And so my office has really been dedicated to constituent services. And as people have been writing in, um, and particularly youth who've been DMing me, right, uh, saying that there are concerns and questions that they have, we're on top of it. Uh, and I'm making sure that um, the whole child feels comforted because when a child is experiencing food insecurity or housing insecurity, economic insecurity, it doesn't matter what other systems are in place. That child is not going to be ready to learn and is not going to be ready to engage to the best of their ability. And so uh, I want to make sure that all of our systems are in place and our social safety net is as strong as it can be to make sure that uh, especially in these trying times, every child feels safe, secured, and loved. So transportation is another one of your key issue areas. Uh, what improvements would you like to see take place to help people who face various transportation barriers? And in addition to that, while addressing that, uh, what things can we enact to reduce both traffic and environmental pollution? Yeah, transportation and traffic are, are probably issues I hear most about. Uh, and I take public transportation as often as possible. I had to get a second car in my household to run for the county council, you know, two years ago or so. And during this pandemic, I reached out to our Department of Transportation and said so many of our emergency personnel, uh, people who have to go to work, uh, are taking our buses. 
because they have no other transportation options and I want to make sure that they feel safe while taking our public transportation and so uh, because of my outreach the Department of Transportation put masks on all of our buses and so making sure that people uh, have a at least a little bit more um, security, personal security when, when they're taking the buses. But to broaden it out and taking, taking a step back, when we look at the communities that have been most impacted uh, by COVID-19, these are the communities that are facing the greatest um, number of infections, the greatest um, food insecurity, uh, the, also the greatest transportation problems because so many rely on public transportation and so we have to make sure that our systems operate safely and efficiently uh, you know as we look towards the future and we want to reduce greenhouse gases and, and make our uh, make our community more equitable we need to make sure that everyone can safely get around the region um, in a safe and efficient manner and by reducing carbon emissions, but then also making sure that uh, a, a single mother of two who's working long days doesn't have to have an hour and a half long bus ride just from the metro uh, to, to her apartment while it might have only taken 15 minutes in a car that she can't afford. That's not fair and that's not equitable. So I've been putting a lot of time in trying to make sure that uh, our bus network runs as quickly as possible, hopefully with dedicated lanes. Um, and this is all about fairness and equity uh, and you know, environmental stewardship as well. And so we still have more to go, uh, more, more programs and policies to implement, particularly now with, with telecommuting um, that more, more communities and the county will be adopting as well. But for me, transportation is one of the cornerstones of having a fair and equitable community where even if you cannot afford to have a personal car, you can safely get around our community. So Councilman, as, as uh, June being LGBTQ Pride Month and the council's first openly gay member, I recall there being a lot of hateful rhetoric directed your way initially. Uh, what messages of support did you receive during that time and what things do you want to ensure you accomplish to address the various barriers and needs of our LGBTQ community here? Last year, when I organized the first series of Pride events here in Montgomery County, I did receive uh, a number of hateful messages and phone calls, and it resulted in us uh, not answering our phones in my office for about three days uh, because of the influx in, in hate, hateful messages. Uh, and so here we are one year later, and, and we are in Pride Month, and I have another series of events, this time virtual. Uh, we couldn't do them in public. Uh, in in uh, public spaces, but uh, it has redoubled my effort to make sure that we make we let everybody know that Montgomery County remains a beautifully inclusive and welcoming place for everybody. Uh, and so that is my commitment uh, this year in the second year of, of Pride. Uh, but you know, we are in turbulent times as well. And as we recognize that uh, black lives matter uh, and that there needs to be more police accountability for, for uh, for the law enforcement, uh, you know, it's it's also important to recognize that Pride Month started as a result of the New York City police breaking into the Stonewall Inn in New York City, uh, and it was civil unrest because of police brutality uh, against uh, uh, individuals from the LGBTQ community of all colors and races. And so, remembering that is the origin story for Pride Month, uh, I think it is only fitting that here we are 
in June, recognizing that there is a lot of civil unrest and strife that's going on, um, that uh, LGBTQ Pride Month and Black Lives Matters are all fighting for the same thing, and that is a fair and just society where people can feel safe and live their lives regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their immigration status, regardless of how they identify or whom they love. Um, and that is what we need to celebrate and continue fighting for this Pride Month and every month of the year. So I appreciate that response. Kind of as a natural segue off of that, certainly there's a lot of concern nationally as well as locally uh, for black people in particular, such as myself. Uh, not only have I had to navigate the world as a black man for the entirety of my life, but I also happen to be a parent of two black children. And obviously, it's nothing new. Historically, the relationship between our black community and law enforcement has been a rather tenuous and tough one. What messages do you have for Montgomery County citizens, especially black Montgomery County citizens, as in terms of what they should expect in their interactions with Montgomery County Police Department? We here in Montgomery County you know, pride ourselves on our progressive, inclusive values, but sometimes we don't walk the walk. And I know that there are incredibly well-intentioned uh, members of our police force, but we can always strive to do better and be better. Regardless of the occupation one has, regardless of um, their position in life, we need to constantly work on being better selves. Uh, and so uh, I, you know, recently spoken with the county executive and, and we're going to be implementing and suggesting some changes here in the county to make sure that our police department is more responsive and mindful of every type of individual that lives here. We have 1.1 million people living in Montgomery County and not everybody's the same. Different tactics and strategies are required for different types of individuals. Uh, and so, so these are the things that we're going to continue pushing for. Uh, more reforms, uh, different types of policing styles, but then also there are state level laws that need to change as well uh, to allow us and the police force to be better because you know one of the things that's disturbed me most about the incidents particularly in Minneapolis was that some of these police officers had track records and they were able to remain hidden or at least be open secrets without having anything come of it without having any negative implication for that police officer's career and some of those protections remain here in the state of Maryland at the state level. So we really need to work with our state delegates and state senators to make sure that we can modernize and update some of the state level laws so that we can uh, be better here at the Montgomery County Police Department. So lastly, Councilman, your job was already demanding prior to any pandemic uh, hitting here uh, in the nation and of course locally in Montgomery County. What have you been doing during the course of all these things that have been taking place to make sure that you're practicing adequate self-care? Well, uh, I, working from home, uh, working remotely is essentially a nonstop endeavor these days. Uh, constantly sitting in front of Zoom, you know, the computer and phone calls, uh, but then social media and everything else, uh, it is all time consuming and the, the need to respond to constituents uh, never stops. Uh, but 
when I'm able to pull, pull away, uh, I do enjoy coming to Brookside Gardens with my husband, uh, going on walks with, with my two dogs. Uh, you know, I, I do participate in, in some Zoom yoga classes. That is where I find my um, physical health and at least an hour a week to clear my mind um, and to hit reset, uh, which really helps me better understand the needs uh, and helps me with the clarity to do the work that is demanded here. Uh, and, you know, even as we start res uh, easing restrictions, um, the need is, is only going to increase, particularly with the uncertain economic future. And I remain more committed than ever to making sure that Montgomery County is a fair and equitable place uh, for every single resident. Uh, and I think we're fortunate that there are a number of residents who work for the federal government or in tied, tied into the, the government infrastructure and, you know, life is fine for them. It hasn't changed that much and that's great. Uh, but for a whole host of our community, um, they need help and they need help now. And that is what I'm committed to. Uh, so moving forward, making sure that I see some friends socially distanced, um, keep the love of my, my family around me to help guide me during this, uh, but making sure that while I'm here as a member of the Montgomery County Council, uh, I try to do right by every single person here, uh, and we'll continue doing that for as long as I'm in this position. Councilman, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate you taking time out during the midst of everything that we know that you have on your plate already to have a conversation with us. We want to thank Brookside Gardens and Montgomery Parks as well, too, for hosting us here in this beautiful setting. Uh, thank you to Super Producer Pete, Psychic Tony and Ed for filming these things today. Thanks for joining us, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of The Sound of Collaboration.